Welcome back to the Uncommon Ground Podcast. You've been packing for a trip? Yes. <laughs> I feel like the packing has been going on for days, if not a week on end. I know. And we you brought up this you brought up a conversation where you talked about how we often travel pretty light mm-hmm. with a backpack. Maybe some sort of duffel bag, but more than often a carry-on luggage. Mm-hmm. And now you are considering a... A checked bag. A checked bag. I I honestly can't remember the last time I checked a bag. It had to be when I was like 12. <laughs> <clears throat> I just, I love the lightness of just being able to fly through security with a carry-on, not having to worry about it or wait after the flight lands, like wait for your bag. So, But I have to know... When you were checking bags at six, seven, eight years old, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't remember, but maybe you would. How many people with a check bag are actually using all the items in that luggage? I think it depends. Like I can imagine if you're traveling with kids, there's probably like a lot more mm-hmm. smaller items or just things that you have to consider and bring. Mm-hmm. Um, but for adults... I can imagine that there's a lot of stuff that you probably will not use, but it depends, right? Like it depends where you're going. If you're going to different climates and you have to kind of anticipate weather conditions. Otherwise, if you know, like you're just going to mm-hmm. a specific climate, then Correct. Like, you can just bring Correct. shorts and tank tops, things like that. And that was a part of the the possible upgrade from the, from the carry-on luggage to the check bag is that you're going to a few different climates, which yep. will require different types of clothing yeah. items. Just having to guess a little bit more. Exactly. Does it feel like it's more conducive to carry it with with some of the like larger items, or is it kind of like, oh, I don't think I need. I don't know if I'll actually need it. No, I definitely feel like I need it, but that's mainly so I don't have to. I just think it's hard because of the shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like hard to combine shoes. How many pairs of shoes are you taking? Just like four. Okay. Four, four or five, I okay. think. Um, but it's hard to combine shoes and toiletries in a duffel bag. So that's where I'm considering I might need a third bag. And if I need that third bag, then I'm going to have to check one. Okay. But well, we talked about comfy shoes mm-hmm. versus stylish shoes. Mm-hmm. Are you packing what percent what percent of the shoes that you're packing are considered comfy versus stylish? Let's let's see if you stay true to Yeah, I think over fifty percent are, are okay, comfy. Good. Okay, good. Um no, maybe higher. Maybe fifty to seventy five percent. Okay. I stand true. I definitely feel like when I travel, especially if it's like a distance, mm-hmm. I will most often overpack on shoes. Mm. I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because of like the clunkiness or if I feel like, oh, shoes can create a different versatility mm-hmm. with like clothes and such, but that's where I most often will overpack. I can see that. And you're also getting ready to go on a trip. Mm-hmm. A road trip, your mm-hmm. favorite. I know, my favorite. But you're, you're a very light packer, so you'd rather give most things away than pack them up undoubt that is undoubtedly true Mm -hmm. i especially in a car Mm -hmm. can't stand Mm -hmm. when 
there's stuff everywhere. Like the thought of driving, being in the driver's seat and looking back at the trunk and the trunk being full makes my skin crawl. I can, I can see that totally. It's very uncomfortable. And how are you feeling about traveling with two pups across country? Yes. So we have two dogs, Chicago Avenue, and they're very different in size, which means they require different types of attention. I think it will be very pleasant. I'm excited to be on the road with them and see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we'll miss you because I feel like, especially with Avenue, like he clings to you. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Like I, I think I, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. It'll be good to be able to get them out and about to see different cities, different parks. Yeah, and your sister's joining. And my sister's joining. That'll be a good balance. That'll be a good balance for sure. It'll be very helpful. Especially on the days that, like, I feel like I just need to be able to step out and, like, go for a run or something. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice to have her to lean on with that. How many miles do you think y'all are going to drive in oh, one day? Oh, jeez. On average. Well, you know, I'm ambitious mm-hmm. with my driving. Mm-hmm. In general. In general. I'm I'm leaning on. I, I want to take it easy because there's okay. no destination in mind. It's not like I'm trying to get somewhere. Um... I would say, I don't know mileage-wise, but I can say hours, mm-hmm. max like eight hours a day. Okay, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, but lots of stops in between, so I'm excited to I'm excited to be able to share that. What are you most excited about? I think just being on the open road mm. and all the coffee shops that I'll see in the mist. I love that. that. I feel like coffee shops give me such a destination of like, and that's why I'm excited for your experience because... I know you and I equally share this love of just being able to be like, oh, I I came across this cool coffee concept. Mm So I'm excited to use coffee shops as a destination pinpoint. I know. I don't know what it is about coffee shops, but they bring such a homey vibe. Like I can be in, Mm -hmm. I can be in a city for the first time ever. And if I find this amazing coffee shop, immediately I feel at home. It feels like a members club without saying it's a members club mm-hmm. it, it makes you feel like you're a part of whatever local community that is once you step foot in it right and it brings you the same feeling every time for like, sure as long as it's good coffee for sure it's like the same experience and feeling so maybe that also helps because that feeling is familiar to you correct correct we're excited to share more about our coffee journey <laughs> which is what the trip turned into <laughs> i'm fine with that I've been asking myself this question a lot lately, and it's at what point do you realize you've arrived at a life that you didn't actively participate in creating? And I don't know if I have a, I don't know if I have like a clear response to it yet, but something that stands really true is you allow you allow life to happen by happenstance. Mm-hmm. You're not actively participating in the life you want. Mm-hmm. It's more like very reactive rather than proactive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're just accepting what is versus going out and creating. Yeah, like creating what it is that you want mm-hmm. or choosing what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. And something that something that I've been observing or that something that's been top of mind for me lately is how much of your life has been what, for me, like how much of my life has been what I've actively chosen Mm -hmm. or how much of it, like if you look at it on the scale of like percentage, Mm -hmm. how much of like what percent of my life is what I've chosen it to be and what percent of my life is 
what I've allowed to just happen. Mm -hmm. And then how that leads to this unfulfillment. Right. What do you think that percentage or breakdown is for you? I, I used to think it was 100%. I used mm-hmm. to think I, I 100% participated in the life I wanted. But now I've realized that it's probably only about 30%. Wow. What percentage of your life would you say you've participated in the life, creating a life that you've wanted? I think mine is still pretty high. Mm. I would say, if I had a guess, probably like 80%. Mm. How do you... How do you weigh that? How do you define or determine that it's a life that you've created? I think <clears throat> it's exactly what you said earlier, right? Like, am I just accepting what's being handed to me? Mm-hmm. Or am I essentially redirecting the course that I'm on if it's mm-hmm. something that makes me unhappy? Mm-hmm. And then how quickly can I course correct if I'm correct. feeling that misalignment? Correct. Um Versus just being stuck or plateauing in that misalignment. Correct. So for me, I look at it, okay, if out of 10 times that I'm doing something, like I'm just assessing like, okay, is it because it's being handed or because I'm choosing it? And I do think eight eight times out of 10, Mm -hmm. I like to think that I'm choosing it. Mm. For the remaining 20%, Mm -hmm. how did you... How do you determine that it's not what you've created? How did you determine that 20% is not what you've chosen and created? And how did you get there? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the, like, I feel like to some degree, it's a part of life. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, there will be sometimes situations in life where you look up and you do have to ask yourself, like, is this something that I chose or yep. was this something handed to me? It could be subconscious, Mm -hmm. which is why I gave the 20% leeway because I think where we try to be aware and conscious as much as we can, I'm sure there are things that happen that we just, I don't want to say slips through the cracks, but I wanted to kind of give that leeway for that knowing and understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely feel where I gave it a 30%. There has been a hardcore course correct for me. Mm-hmm. I was able to identify that only 30% of my life was what I have actively participated in creating. And the remaining 70% was me. Part- it may have started off as me participating in creating mm-hmm. whatever it is. And then slowly but surely life happened in the midst of me creating. I lost sight of where I was driving. Mm -hmm. I lost sight of the direction I was heading in. And so it just kind of unfolded, Mm -hmm. right, into whatever it was going to become. And then a year or whatever passed and I looked up and I was like, wait a second, this isn't what I was intending to do or this isn't how I was intending to create. Right. If you think about the creation process, I'm reading this book by Rick Rubin and he talks a lot about the, Mm -hmm. the life of being a creative. When you think of starting anything, Mm -hmm. And if if you could imagine that thing as a seed and you plant the seed and you water the seed, Mm -hmm. a lot of what you have done has been planting seeds. Mm -hmm. You've planted very specific seeds and I think you've watered them over the course of years. Correct. You had a vision for what you intended and wanted them to become. Yeah. But ultimately the seed after much watering, like it became what it was meant to become. Correct. So 
I think that there's also like, I want to say like, give yourself grace in this process because there's also an observation process that goes into it. Correct. Of, okay, yes, you had this intention when planting and watering the seed and it became what it was meant to become. Correct. Yes, it may not have been what you imagined it would be, Mm -hmm. but ultimately like there's no control when you are watering and fostering seeds. Like there's no matter how much you want something for that seed, like you can't always control it. So when you're looking at, okay, what has something, what has my creation become over the years? Mm -hmm. It's, it's more of like, okay, cool. Like now I see what it's become. Is this a plant or, you know, like, is this something that I want to continue fostering and growing? But when I look back at going back to last week's episode, where I think I've always intentionally created my environment, my relationships, my career, where I've where I've been very mindful of how I'm creating or what I'm creating and how present I am in that creation, I do think there was a lack of creativity, say like 50% of the way into creating something. Mm. So now it's about the course correction. Right. Am I showing up as my most authentic and creative self or ha- going back to like where we talked about having muted ourselves like or have I muted myself and now I'm working to essentially revive my internal being like right. well it's also the difference of creating something because you truly want to create it and you're passionate about it correct versus creating something because you think you have to correct I think those creations are very they're on very different foundations yes. and I think the result the results will be very different as well I agree I agree so when you think about going from 100 to 30, mm-hmm. like, is it something that you looked up and you're like, holy shit, I'm at 30%? Or was it something that kind of you witnessed dwindle? It was definitely at the point where I realized I, I didn't recognize myself. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the turning point for me where mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. I've always been so adamant about authentically creating and Mm -hmm. purely creating and being present Mm -hmm. that now for me not to know who I am where there's beauty in that Mm -hmm. it it is a reflection of my lack of creativity in my Mm -hmm. in my life thus far Mm -hmm. in the in having lost sight of my intention Mm -hmm. yeah and I think there's a difference of like not recognizing who you are in terms of the growth side of it yeah like oh wow I've grown into this human being and I've come so far um, versus who is this person and I'm not happy with them. Correct. Correct. So that's something also to like take note of. And it sounds like you're saying the latter. Yes. Yes. So where I've identified, okay, I would say I was about, say I was at this like 30% marker because I've actively participated in being present with myself, now I can acknowledge, okay, it's time for a course correction. Right. So. And now it's been like, since you've identified the course correction, I think it's been about eight weeks, two two months or so. Yeah. Would you say that it's gone up? Like has the 30% significantly? What are you at now? 85, 90%. Damn, that was fast. But that it, it, 
in, I'm curious, like from your 80% perspective, like how do you continue being intentional in your life Mm -hmm. and showing up for yourself? Mm -hmm. Because where right now you're at 80%, it can, it can become a hundred. Your life can become a hundred percent of you being active, an active participant in it Mm -hmm. and not just allowing it to be all left up to happenstance. Right. And I think for me, when I think about the 20%, the 20% also probably stems stems from this idea of societal conditioning. Yeah. I'm sure that deep down inside, there are things that I do because I feel like I have to based mm-hmm. on cultural norms. Although mm-hmm. majority of my life, like I don't follow any of those. Yeah. But I just think we live in a society where there are pieces of life that are deeply ingrained in us from an early age. So yeah. that's why I gave that leeway of, Again, Absolutely. like going back to this idea of like subconscious, I'm sure that there's like some level of like some yes. subconscious yes. Uh, activity going on inside of me. So I agree. I think that there's always room for that lever to to go up. Yep. Um. But you know me. I'm. <laughs> I like to. Very well. I'm the financial person. I like to like leave room for conservatively <laughs> for. Uh, for on the number side where i'm i'm like hot and cold like all in i'm i'm all in or not at all mm-hmm. so i have to feel like okay every aspect of my life is a reflection of who i want to become or who i am in the moment that makes sense though because if you don't if you don't do that like full sweep of just like entire life then you have those elements that kind of linger through yeah that can feel like almost weight yeah from like that previous existence or like previous version of your being so and we've talked about this in previous episodes like having to shift in a semi-drastic way yep could change things very quickly 100 percent. and it's something that i think you've always been that that you've always reminded me of which is you get to be whatever version of yourself you want to be and I've always been so grateful for that reminder because I do think it's I do think life can can be obscure sometimes where Mm -hmm. we're we're trying to define ourselves in a midst of something that feels like there's so much structure Mm -hmm. and it's like oh if I'm not following this path and yeah it is it it is hard Mm -hmm. right it is hard to be like okay like I'm, I'm in the system, but I'm creating myself. Right. And you also have to be okay with like not being applauded too, yeah. because yeah. a life to you that looks the way that you want it may not be accepted by everybody around Correct. you. Correct. And like, I, I just think that that could be hard for a lot of people mm-hmm. is when, are you willing to choose something that you won't be applauded for? Correct. Are you willing to choose something that you may be looked at differently for or that people can't define people can't define people can't understand yep and that may i think a lot of times like if you're not super confident in the decision that you're pursuing that could alter your path because you're like oh well they may know more than me especially if it's exactly a parent or a family member it's like well they have to be looking out for me correct they have to have my best interest they have to know more than me correct and at the end of the day like no one knows your path like your path is so unique to you. It is. It really is. And you just have to be willing to not, you have to be willing to forego 
that external validation. Mm -hmm. And well, the external validation to your point stems from someone else impeding on your life because it's the path that worked for them. But like at the end of the day, it's what are you willing to do? Mm -hmm. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to like go out on a limb with yep or on go out go out with a limb on <laughs> go out on a, a lemon lemon <laughs> um lemonade lemonade make yeah. <laughs> um yeah like what what are you willing to risk and yeah. sacrifice and i think a lot of times it's it is that external validation of just like being willing to choose a life that works for you yeah that's authentic to you and if it was easy everyone would be living a life that is mm-hmm. authentic to them yeah yep how do you if you are not right say you're not living in the life that you've actively create, created and you realize you're at a hundred percent of like a life that you don't recognize mm-hmm. how do you begin to authentically participate in building a life that fulfills you that's where the drastic changes come in mm-hmm and it's something that you just talked about right earlier in the this episode. You have to look at every aspect of your life. All in. Your personal life, your relationships, your career, mm-hmm. your social life, everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to identify which pieces are out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to make and take yep. drastic measures to course mm-hmm. correct every single one that is misaligned. Yep. Whether that's moving homes moving neighborhoods cities countries leaving Um, behind people yeah relationships businesses careers like whatever you have to you have to be willing to look deep down and figure out what's stemming like what's creating that unhappiness Mm -hmm. and misalignment inside of you Mm -hmm. and truly be willing to to just do a 180 and decide decide if you are decide if the life that you currently have is worth whatever negative emotions you're feeling Mm -hmm. whether it's unhappiness unfulfillment yep because we i mean we talk about this all the time is negative emotions lead to health problems yeah yeah and so if you are living in a life where it's causing you stress or anxiety mm-hmm. or jealousy or what mm-hmm. what have you. Um, mm-hmm. More often than not, it'll come out of you in different ways. Yep. So you can stay in that environment because it feels easy in the near term. Yep. But if it's not healthy for you, it is going to stem out and come out in different ways. Correct. So. And, and I, th- I do think you're a true testament. Like if you went from 100% to 30% and you did a pretty major course correct. Yep. Um, and one, still course correcting. Still course correcting. It's a journey. It is. I guess like what did you do to course correct at 30% eight weeks ago to be back up to, I think you said 90, 90 95%. 90, yeah, about 90, Like 90, what 95. did you actually do? I started examining every aspect of my life and i had to ask the hard questions Mm -hmm. which it was just it was just a conversation with me and me like Mm -hmm. am i 
choosing this or has it just happened? Mm -hmm. Am I creating this or has it just become what it is? Mm -hmm. Am I present in mm -hmm. this or am I just kind of coasting through it? Mm -hmm. And if I could, if I could pinpoint, okay, I'm, let's say I'm, I'm present in this, whatever it is, or it's just happened. If it's just happened, it couldn't be for me anymore. Mm. So I slowly had to begin to allow room for that to kind of remove itself and fade out of my life. Mm -hmm. and, and again, it doesn't happen overnight. Certain aspects mm. kind of like nat work work with the like natural flow of life, right? Like they, they move, some things move at a slower pace than others. But I think I, I really had to examine myself internally and decide like has this led me to this 30 percent right and then like when you okay so once the examination is like okay yes there's unhappiness here misalignment here yep what were those actions like like i'm just i'm just thinking of like mm -hmm. if most people are most likely living outside of alignment, right? Yep. Like what did you do once you observed that misalignment? What were some of those actions that you took to do that almost extreme course correct? And may I add, I'm going to answer that. Mm -hmm. I, I also believe another part of my life that played in me getting to this point was when my dad died. Mm. My dad, from what I could see, lived a life of unfulfillment mm. a lot of what he did was try to be who society wanted him to be mm -hmm. and that led to a life of oh i wish i could have done this or i wish i had done this and he's on his deathbed and i know that feeling of i didn't really live because mm. i could see it mm -hmm. So that now being a year ago, I believe that encounter with death is what also played a huge part mm. because you see it, you see right. like, wow, someone dies unfulfilled. Mm. And I, I was like, wait a second, like I'm not willing to, I'm not, there, there's no, there's nothing in this life that is worth me living unfulfilled. Mm. So to begin to now answer your question, um, the actions that I took was one examining. Mm -hmm. Am I creating this or did it happen by happenstance? Mm -hmm. Did I choose this or did it choose me? Mm -hmm. And then really beginning to kind of like almost step away mm -hmm. and not lean into it. Because mm -hmm. for so long, I probably was leaning into the 70% of my life that I wasn't creating. Right. Meaning like I was showing up for it every day, full force, mm -hmm. all energy, nonstop, right? Like, mm -hmm. and then once I began to lean away from whatever it was that was causing me this unfulfillment, it actually just removed itself from me. Mm. It was almost like it was only existing because you were pouring Because I was feeding it. Because yeah. I was feeding it. When you feed the beast, it eats. Mm -hmm. Like, And it's so interesting because when you're in the moment, you think that it's it's almost how do you say this like when you're in the moment you think that 
the other side is giving as much as you're giving. So if you felt like you were giving like 100% to that thing, although it was misaligned, like you thought that it was equally giving to you. Yes. But the moment that you stop feeding it or or leaning into it and it just kind of fizzles out. Yeah. That also goes to show like it was never giving to you what you thought it was giving. No. And I I believe that's the opposite when you're creating. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe when you are authentically creating from a from a genuine place, it actually shows up more. Mm. It shows up so much that you take it for granted. Mm. When I when when you say that you're at eighty percent of a life that you've created, I believe that's such a beautiful thing because it means that you're most often present. I do tend to be very present. You do tend to be very present because I, I, I hate distractions. That's something that I admire. I know. Like I, you will be in a conversation and truly know what's happening. We're at nine times out of ten. I have no idea what's going on. I feel like that's because most people try to think of what they're going to say next. Yeah. Where I just tend to be more of an observer. So I'd rather listen. And then. It's beautiful. Yeah. I just, I prefer it that way. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We'll see you next week. Until then.